my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 501. Welcome in. Uh, I am wearing my clothes from work. I just got off work. It's very late at night. Uh, I work as a server on the side. Uh, a waiter at a actually a pretty nice restaurant, really expensive restaurant. I'm very lucky to be there. Uh, so it's after work. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I've recorded in the truck a lot, especially late at night. It's my thing. I like doing it. This is the first time I've ever felt sketched out while recording in the truck. Um, I was I, I backed up. There's a bush behind me. Guy walks out of the bush with a pipe, and I'm like, that's interesting. So let's hope that the guy with the the um. I don't want to say pipe again. I, I did. I guess I already did. <laughs> the guy, I Let's hope he doesn't walk out of the bushes and bother the podcast. I don't think he will. I said, hey, man, hope you have a good night. I'm working. If you could like give me some space, that'd be awesome. He did. I think we're good. I communicated with him, but I don't know. I don't know if you ever interact with people that sleep in bushes very often. I don't trust that they're maybe the most logical and reasoned people in the world. <laughs> Although, hey, I'm the guy recording a podcast in a pickup truck at... 11.35 p.m. Maybe he thinks I'm the crazy one. So, fair enough. Uh, there's also a mosquito flying around in the truck, and I am going to kill it if I can. So, if randomly I just smack the ceiling, that's what I'm doing. Uh, today's episode is really fun. We're going to talk about... And by the way, I, I'm tired. I've got very limited time. I've been working all weekend. Uh, like That's why I'm recording. I literally got off work in like an hour. I got to pick up my dad from the airport. My schedule's insane right now. I'm doing two jobs. I'm, I'm dying. Uh, I'm trying to watch football when I can. Today's episode is all about college football week two. I worked at the weekend. I worked at the restaurant all weekend. Uh, I'm trying to get that changed so that I don't work Sundays anymore so I can watch football and have Sunday to work on the podcast. Doing the best I can. Um, I haven't watched any NFL games yet tonight. I watched only, um, we might have a cop here. Uh, no. I think we're fine. Hey. That was a cop who was, like, very close to... He, like, looked at me like, what are you doing? And then he saw... He, so, <laughs> what is happening tonight? It's been a weird night. Uh, a cop just drove up and pulled up next to me, looked at what I was doing, and then drove away. So I guess we're fine. And then there's the mosquito in front of... The, it's, a, it's a weird episode today. I've been working all weekend. I, I have watched college football week two. I have not watched much of NFL week one. I've really only watched the Bills-Rams game. So today we're going to talk about college football week two. Then at the end of the episode, we're going to do something fun. Uh, if I were you listening to the podcast, I would want to hear me talk about NFL week one. I'm just going to look at the scores and react like, surprise, yes, no, I can't believe this happened. For example... Uh, working tonight, I saw that Seattle beat Denver. I don't know how that happened yet. Haven't watched the game yet. Um, I saw that Geno Smith was really good, actually. His stat line, he was like 23 for 28 passing. That's ridiculous, and I did not see that coming at all. So we can do stuff like react to that, and then in the next episode, I'll have actually watched all the games and can break them down with my thoughts. But sharing like an initial reaction, I think, is actually going to be kind of fun. Uh, and I don't think you can ever have too much NFL content during NFL season, uh, during the NFL season. Let's jump into college football week two. Number one, Alabama barely, and I mean barely, beat Texas on Saturday. Alabama won 20 to 19, uh, and it required a last-second field goal to get the victory. Uh, I expected Alabama to win this game. I guess I kind of got that right. Uh, but look, I was dead wrong about this game. I did not expect this game to be as close as it was. And going in, really, my, my big question was, could the new Texas quarterback, Quinn Ewers, cause Alabama some problems? And oh boy, did he cause Alabama problems. It was awesome. I had so much fun. Uh, you know, Texas really challenged Alabama. And after a great start, unfortunately, Quinn Ewers got hurt and he left the game early. And I just can't help but believing that if he played the whole game, Texas probably would have won. By the way, it's late at night. Lock in the car. Talked about the guy in the bush. Let's hope he doesn't bother me. Um, I, I repeat this. If Quinn Ewers played all game, I, I think Texas wins this football game. Quinn Ewers was 9 for 12 passing with 134 yards 
he was rolling. They were really moving the ball. He was challenging Alabama vertically. Uh, by the way, now Quinn Ewers will be out four to six weeks with a sprained SC joint. Uh, it's a joint that connects to the collarbone. That sucks, man. I really, really enjoyed watching Quinn Ewers uh, in the first two games of the year for Texas. And without him, Texas was not very much fun to watch. Uh, their backup quarterback, Hudson Card, looked okay. But they clearly didn't trust him very much. Hudson Card also hurt his ankle. He was all, you know, both quarterbacks for Texas got hurt. Apparently, Texas only has two quarterbacks possible. It's kind of a weird thought. You're in Texas. You're the University of Texas Longhorns. You only have two quarterbacks that can throw the football on your roster. Like, I, it's kind of, I've always thought this. It's a very naive thought. I know great quarterbacks are rare. But, like, dude, these guys that play for Texas play at, like, legendary Texas high school football programs. Hudson Card is the best backup you got. I kind of can't believe that. Uh, he wasn't horrible. He was hurt. I don't want to judge the guy too harshly, but after Ken Ewers got hurt, Texas was just not as aggressive. They stopped targeting Xavier Worthy deep. Early in the game with Quinn Ewers, they were just attacking vertically. It was so much fun. And then uh, when that stopped, it was frustrating. Dang it. Dude, what a chaotic... Got it. I got the mosquito. No idea. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is the most chaotic episode of this podcast ever. I'm like afraid of the guy in the bush behind me. There's a mosquito flying around. Um, I mean, for example, with let, let's back to the game. With the backup quarterback, Hudson Cardin, you know, Texas was calling screen passes on third down. They were just not attacking downfield. And it was frustrating. It was hard to watch. I, I will say, though, this game in general is a really, really big moment for Texas football. The fact that Texas legitimately hung around Alabama is so cool. And across college football, USC and Texas are two massive brands in college football. And in my opinion, the sport is better when USC and Texas are good. And both programs, by the way, with Lincoln Riley at USC and Texas challenging Alabama, they got C.S. Arkeesian, I've got Quinn Ewers, like both programs, USC and Texas, appear to be on the rise and coming back. And that makes me really happy. They're making progress. Uh, by the way, Alabama played terrible in this game. It was funny watching Alabama players do the horns down thing after the game. And Nick Saban's like, do not effing do that. He was pissed. He was heated after the game. Alabama had 15 penalties. They probably should have had more. I was actually frustrated. There was a moment early in the game where Bama got away with a what should have been pass interference in the end zone. Texas had to settle for a field goal there. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I thought the refs could have been even better in this game, even more harsh towards Alabama. Uh, I, I will say, though, it's it's worth saying Alabama has about a bad game every year. The question is, can they survive their bad game? They did. They survived their bad game. Uh, they're still undefeated. And Alabama quarterback Bryce Young was so much fun to watch. I love this guy. And I want to make this statement. I don't really care what you think. I believe this wholeheartedly. Bryce Young is a lot better quarterback than the Ohio State quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He's more capable. He's better at extending plays. I think he's got a better arm. Some people say that's blasphemous. They're, they're C.J. Stroud stands. C.J. Stroud is fine. He's a good quarterback. Better than most. Bryce Young is even better. Bryce Young is unbelievable. The two best quarterbacks in college football. Bryce Young is... Number one and number one A is Caleb Williams at USC, and I don't really know how to decide between the two of them. Um, Bryce Young's ability to extend plays, and uh, it's, I just, like, Bryce Young spoils me because watching him play football makes me hate watching a lot of other quarterbacks. Will Levis, the quarterback at Kentucky, is really good, yet after watching Alabama, Texas, I was like, I got to watch Will Levis, like, the quarterback at Kentucky. He's not as talented not as good at throwing, not as good at extending plays. Like, it's just, I, I have such an appreciation for watching Bryce Young play quarterback because he's so much better than almost anyone doing it in the college football world. And he's a stud. I, I, I look forward to using Bryce Young in Madden. I have not bought a modern Madden game in forever. As soon as Bryce Young gets in Madden, I'm buying the modern the modern Madden and playing it because I want to play with Bryce Young. Um, you know, he put together a game-winning drive, game-winning field goal drive. I just, I, I'm i a huge fan of Bryce Young. He's incredible. And, and somehow I think he's still even underappreciated in the college football world. 
Uh, a couple takeaways from this game. I believe Texas is on their way back. I, I love seeing that. I love seeing their program make progress. Uh, it's also unfortunate that Quinn Ewers is hurt. I love the guy. He reminds me of... I don't... Like, this is an insane comparison. Please do not get really mad at me. But I, he reminds me of what... I, he's like a young Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I don't know... I don't like comparing people necessarily, but I, I really see like a guy who's just can make any throw around the field from different arm angles, can run around a little bit, but not quite as uh, good of a runner as a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. Um, I, I love Quinn Ewers, man. He's so good. I'm really, really upset that he's hurt. Um, and he was making big-time throws with anticipation. He's a future NFL quarterback, and I, I love, love, love Quinn Ewers. And then another takeaway is that Alabama's wide receiver core is not as good as in recent years. They have just been really, really blessed with incredible receiving core after incredible receiving core, first-round pick after first-round pick. And this year's Alabama group at receiver just isn't as good as the last maybe 10 years have been, uh, starting all the way back at Julio Jones and whoever was before him. I mean, they it's just been incredible Alabama receiving core after incredible Alabama receiving core. They're not as fast, and it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the year goes with them because I think – I, I just think they're going to – they will be elevated by Bryce Young, their quarterback, but uh, this is not the team that had multiple first-round picks at receiver. And maybe they will develop into them, but right now what I'm seeing at receiver from Alabama is not as good as in past years. Um, now, I got a couple fun or maybe interesting is a word, interesting bits of information I heard during this game. Uh, first of all, this game was the first time Alabama and Texas have played each other since 2010 when Alabama beat Texas in the national title game. By the way, that was Nick Saban's first national title at Alabama. Since that game in 2010, when Texas lost to Alabama in the national championship, Alabama has won seven SEC conference titles. How many conference titles does Texas have? Zero. Since that game, since 2010, Alabama has spent 101 weeks as the AP-ranked number one team in the nation. Texas has been ranked number one in the nation for zero weeks since that game. Alabama has 40 first-round picks since that game in 2010. Texas has three. Who is the last—this is a crazy thing I heard during the game. Uh, and by the way, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson were calling this game. They are— Unbelievable. I love them. This is a bit of knowledge that Joel Klatt dropped on the audience. The last offensive player from Texas drafted in the first round. Again, offensive player drafted in the first round from Texas. The last one was in 2006 when Vince Young was drafted by Tennessee. That's unbelievable. Maybe Quinn Ewers is the next one, but it's been a while, and that's pretty surprising and pretty crazy. Uh, let's now talk about Kentucky. Kentucky beat Florida 26-16. to uh, The game was at Florida in the swamp. I got a couple thoughts. Number one, it's really cool to me hearing that Rich Gangarello is the offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Not a lot of people know who he is. Uh, he comes from, he worked with the 49ers for a while. He was once the Denver Broncos offensive coordinator. I thought he got unjustly fired by Denver. when I thought he did a really good job with not a great quarterback room in Denver at the time. Uh, so happy to see Rich Gangarello at Kentucky. Good for him. Number two, I was actually underwhelmed by Kentucky quarterback Will Levis in this game. I, I've been told how great Will Levis is. He's a future first-round quarterback, a franchise quarterback, yada, yada. And Will Levis is fine. He's chiseled as all get-out. I wish my body looked like his. It's incredible. He's a impressive specimen as an athlete, but... And, like, he does a lot of stuff well. He, he throws a ball well. He can extend plays a little bit. He's a fairly decent decision maker. But he's, like, a—he's he's solid at everything. There's nothing that Will Levis does that really wows me and makes me feel like, that's amazing. And, unfortunately, in today's world of quarterbacks, when you got people like Bryce Young running around and um, Caleb Williams and Queen Ewers and— even Spencer Rattler is way more talented. Uh, I, people like, you know, Will Levis, who are just solid at everything, are kind of being forgotten about. And I'm not trying to slight him. I'm just saying like, I was not dramatically impressed by Will Levis. And I felt weird about that. I felt kind of guilty. 
Um, you know, he's more polished than Anthony Richardson, by the way. Will Levis is way more polished and a better quarterback right now today than Anthony Richardson, the quarterback at Florida. But Anthony Richardson is way more physically gifted and has way more potential as a player. So um, I, I'm really curious to see how the year goes for Will Levis. I, I, I didn't see... He did nothing bad. I want to be clear. Like, there's nothing he did that I'm like, oh, that's a bad habit. This, he's just fine. And as the year goes on, I'm, I'm curious to see how he does. You know, October 1st, they play at Ole Miss. That'll be interesting. October 8th, uh, when Will Levis and Kentucky play South Carolina, that'll be fun to see. Uh, they play at Tennessee on October 24th. Uh, October 29th, excuse me. November 19th, you got Kentucky against Georgia. How does Will Levis play against Georgia's defense? That'll be a really interesting test to kind of get a feel about how good he is. Uh, November 26th, they play Louisville. We got one, two, three, four, five really big games ahead for Will Levis that I'm going to use to judge him and kind of figure out how good he is. But um, I, no, I didn't see anything bad from the guy, but I was underwhelmed based on how hyped he's been and how much I've been told he's a first-round quarterback. We'll see, but right now I'm I'm not sold. I'm not convinced uh, about Will Levis, the quarterback at Kentucky. Now the theme from this game, the number one storyline to me uh, from Kentucky beating Florida twenty six to sixteen, is that the Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson is incredibly, immensely talented, but he's also very much still learning and developing as a quarterback. Anthony Richardson was a frankly, kind of an abysmal 14 for 35 passing with 143 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he had an ugly pick six. It was like a terrible. Uh, he had a lot of throws that were errant. He had guys open. He missed them. He threw high, he threw it accurate. Now, as a evaluator, like you, you watch Anthony Richardson and you're just blown away. You're like, this kid is... The velocity on the ball is unbelievable. Uh, he's he's big. He can run. He's got a lot of potential. Anthony Richardson does. But potential doesn't matter if you don't improve. He's been inaccurate at times. He had a bad pick six. He really needs to learn how to use touch. Uh, every throw is a fastball. And sometimes he literally throws so hard his receivers can't handle the ball. And you're like, I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have that you got a just a, a cannon for an arm, but I, I want to see him take some off and throw the ball up and over defenders instead of just trying to throw through defenders. Um, and, and really, I want to see Anthony Richardson work with Josh Allen's quarterback coach, Jordan Palmer. I think he'd get a lot out of that. Uh, but, you know, I, I know it's cliche to say this. I know it makes probably people angry. I just don't really care, though. Um, Anthony Richardson goes along the line talent-wise with Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, these guys who frankly had big problems in college. I, Mahomes, Josh Allen, they had bad interceptions, they had inaccuracy, they had problems, they had, you know, flawed mechanics, but now Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, they are dominating the NFL cuz they got better. They reached their potential and if Anthony Richardson will reach his potential, it's terrifying. If he I, I'm curious whether, you know, he's going to get better. But if he does figure things out, the college football world and, frankly, the NFL world is going to be in big, big trouble because if he does get more polished and you're seeing him complete way more passes and have a better completion percentage and not missing throws inaccurately, uh, getting better at not— I mean, remember, this was the guy's third ever college start. He's really talented, but he's really raw. Uh, I've got patience for him. I hope other people do. Um, but, you know, and, and I was surprised, by the way. Florida, I, I was shocked they lost because I remember in this game, there was a point where Florida had all the momentum. They got an interception that led to a touchdown. Then Kentucky had a bad snap on a punt that led to a Florida safety. I thought Florida was going to win this game. I was like, wow, it's going so well. But, Anthony Richardson made too many mistakes uh, and was not good enough to win this game. Uh, I, I thought he kind of held this team back, actually. And 
I don't like saying that, but I, I, I want to see Anthony Richardson get better because the talent is clearly there. It, it's really impressive what he can do on the football field, uh, but he's a ways from being as good as he needs to be uh, to become a top-level prospect in, in the NFL. And I guess he's a good prospect, but he's got to get better as a quarterback to, to win games and to also, um, you know, succeed in the NFL. Uh, by the way, in this game, Florida-Kentucky, there was a really questionable roughing the passer call uh, where there's a hit on Will Levis, Kentucky's quarterback. They said you hit him too low. It's weird. I feel bad for defenders where you, you can't hit a quarterback too low anymore. You also can't hit them too high. I don't know how you tackle or hit a quarterback in, in 2022. I, I really don't know. I feel bad. I played quarterback in college. I feel terrible for defenders. I don't know how you would tackle or hit a quarterback anymore. Yeah, I guess you just don't. You, you pray they throw the ball before you get near them so you don't have to deal with any penalties because it's pretty brutal and, and really confusing. Uh, also, I do want to say this too. I, I really love and respect Florida's new head coach, Billy Napier. I'm rooting for him. He's easy to like. He's a, got that Southern drawl. And he, he's, I, li- I like him, and I want to see Billy Napier succeed at Florida. I hope Florida gets better. I think flo- college football is better when they're good. And I want to see him dial in. Anthony Richardson and get Anthony Richardson in a really good spot because he's such a such a talented quarterback physically. Tennessee bit bit they didn't they didn't bite them. Uh, Tennessee beat Pittsburgh thirty four to twenty seven. It was a solid game. Uh, Tennessee was ranked twenty fourth in the nation. Pittsburgh was ranked seventeenth. Uh, the game was at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh quarterback and and friend of the show, Keaton Slovis. Had a decent game, uh, but then he got hurt, and it sucked. He did not play in the second half at all. I, I thought Keaton Silvis played very well, and it was fun to see him play against an SEC-level defense, Tennessee. I thought he handled pressure really well. I thought Keaton, I mean, he did get hit a lot. That sucked. He got knocked out of the game, but he did really well when he was playing, got the ball out of his hands very quickly. He beat pressure and beat blitzes. He was accurate. He had, he had like one bad play the whole game, and it was just bad luck. He was throwing the ball high on the back of the end zone, kind of on the, along the back line, high where only his guy could get it. His receiver put his hands on the ball. Receiver tips the ball up in the air, got picked off in the end zone. Had one interception on the day, but it was actually not his fault at all. Um, so I, I hope Keaton, uh, it, we're not really sure what his injury is as of right now. We'll see what happens there. Um, but I, I, I hope he's okay, and I hope we get to see more of him because he played very well against Tennessee. And by the way, Pittsburgh did not look overmatched by an SEC program, Tennessee. Like, they're playing an SEC-level team, uh, but they they didn't look physically outmatched at all. They could hang. And I also think losing to Tennessee doesn't hurt Pittsburgh that much because it's a non-conference game. It was a highly ranked team. And you can still win the ACC title and be fine. I mean, it's just not going to... Pittsburgh wasn't going to win a national title, but they want to win their division and get a good bowl game, and that's still a very, very achievable goal if you're Pittsburgh. Now, I do wonder, I think Pitt would have been able to win if Keaton Slovis hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, You know, they lost their starting quarterback. They also missed two field goals in the second half. And uh, the backup for Pittsburgh, their quarterback, Nick Patty, their backup quarterback, did his best, but the offense just was not the same at all after Keaton Slovis left the game injured. And uh, I, I will say, too, I'm, I'm still not quite sure what to make of Tennessee quarterback Hedon Hooker, or Hendon Hooker, Hedon, Hendon Hooker. Um, we'll see. I, I just, I'm my mind is not made up. I don't really know what to make of him yet. I saw one game. He was interesting. Uh, there are some big games ahead for Hendon Hooker in Tennessee. Like, the next four games for Tennessee in a row are going to be Arkansas, Florida, LSU, then Alabama. That's like an insane run of really tough games all in a row. Uh, later, they play Kentucky, then Georgia and South Carolina. Hendon Hooker looked really good against Pittsburgh. He was, well, good is maybe relative. Looked very solid, I would say. 27 for 42 passing, 325 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I love hearing that. Um, this offense goes so fast, by the way, Tennessee's offense. It's like insane how fast their tempo is. 
And uh, I just, like, look, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven big games. Arkansas, Florida, LSU, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina. That's a lot of really good SEC teams on Tennessee's schedule, and they're going to test Hendon Hooker. And I can't wait to see how it goes because we're going to find out how good he really is as the year goes on. Arkansas. Arkansas beat South Carolina 44 to 30. I like watching Arkansas. I like their coach, uh, Sam Pittman. I like their quarterback, KJ Jefferson. He's a stud man. KJ Jefferson, 6'3, 242. Can run, runs really powerfully, by the way. He's a big guy. Uh, and I kind of think that between Will Levis at Tennessee, sorry, Will Levis at Kentucky, Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, or KJ Jefferson at Arkansas. I think if I had to pick between those three guys to be my quarterback at the college level, I might most want KJ Jefferson. Like he, I'm 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 really curious what's going to happen with KJ Jefferson after college because he doesn't have the best arm. Throws an okay ball, but he's a great athlete. I think he could play tight end at the NFL level, um, be like a Taysom Hill level player maybe with using the talents he has. Uh, I think he'd be incredible as like an XFL quarterback at a lower level. Time will tell. Maybe some team sees him as an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure, but I'm really interested to see what the future holds for Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson. Now, the joy of this game for me, though, was watching South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler. This was his first game uh, against another SEC opponent with his new team, South Carolina. I thought that Spencer Rattler did very well. He's a good quarterback on a team that's not very good. And actually, playing at South Carolina is going to be very good for him because it's going to help prepare him for the NFL. He's going to have to develop better habits if he wants to win and succeed at South Carolina. His teammates, the players around him, are not going to be way better than the competition like he had at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, his receivers were just way better than everybody. Guys were wide open. It was a different it was a different setup and scenario completely. At South Carolina for Spencer Rattler, the margins are smaller. The game is going to be tougher for him, and that's going to be good for him. It's going to challenge him a lot. He also got humbled. He lost his job. I had to transfer. I, I think he is going through a journey that's going to be really good for him as a quarterback. And like I said, he did very well against uh Arkansas, he was 24 for 39 passing, 376 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But I I can't say it enough. Spencer Rattler made a ton of massive throws. I mean, he's a future NFL quarterback for sure. His arm is unreal. Threw some nice back shoulder throws along the sideline. He was making big throw after big throw. He had like a touchdown on third and 17 where you're like, what? All right. That's Spencer Rattler, he's very capable. He's not on a great team. He's kind of held back, but he, he's such an impressive talent. Um, and I really think this year, Spencer Rattler just has to do the best he can do. Worry about you. Uh, you know, you're, you're probably going to lose a lot of games, but you can make every drive, do the best you can with every drive. And kind of reminds me of, I hate saying this, but Deshaun Watson, uh, his last full season in Houston, Played on a terrible team, and he played like an NFL MVP. Like, he played great in spite of the fact that the team around him was terrible. And uh, he had one interception where he was trying to make a play. They were losing. He tried to throw the ball to the end zone and thread the needle. Got picked off. Not a great play. That's what I mean. Like, the margin for error is so small for Spencer Rattler this year at South Carolina. For him to only have made one real mistake all game, I think it's pretty good, but it's a in a losing season on a not a great team, like you can't afford to make mistakes like that. So South Carolina is going to be really, really good for Spencer Rattler. Uh, BYU beat Baylor in double overtime. I, uh, you know, BYU was ranked number 21 in the nation. Baylor was ranked number nine. The game was at BYU. Uh, I love Kalani Sataki, the uh, BYU head coach, by the way, big fan of him. I saw him hugging, uh, I forget the name of the guy uh, from uh, Baylor, a guy who transferred. He grew up in Salt Lake City, went to LSU, then transferred to Baylor. They were hugging after the game. They're both, uh, they got a uh, a cultural connection there. I really like seeing that. I, I just think Kalani Sataki is good for football in general. I really like him. But anyway, the game was at BYU. 
It was a tie game with 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter. BYU was kicking a 35-yard field goal to win the game, and they missed. It was painful. They, they missed the field goal. And then in overtime number one, both teams missed what would have been game-winning field goals. Baylor had the ball first. They had an awful miss with their kicker. Uh, then BYU got the ball. They thought they were going to kick a field goal to win the game. Uh, and their kicker missed the game winner for the second time. It was painful. Um, and eventually BYU did score a touchdown in double overtime. Baylor couldn't score. Jaron Hall, the BYU quarterback, was hugging their kicker. And, you know, it's a really cool moment. One of my favorite moments of the weekend actually was BYU's quarterback hugging their kicker who missed the game-winning field goal twice um, after they finally did still eventually win. Uh, and I got to say this, note, like an editorial note here. Baylor's quarterback was so bad. I, it felt like Baylor didn't trust their quarterback at all. They ran the ball, what was it, 52 times in this game. And they were like avoiding throwing the football at all costs. They only threw the ball like on third and long when they had to, especially late in the game. And I just want to ask, how does that happen? I, I, you know, how can you be a college football program in the state of Texas, but you cannot find a capable quarterback. You know, the Longhorns, Texas, they've got a crappy backup. Baylor's got a crappy starting quarterback. These guys played high school football, often at really prominent high schools. They played in big games, South Lake Carroll, um, you know, Lake Travis. These are like legendary high school football programs in Texas. And, I know a lot of people go to those games. They win state titles. Like, how can they be nervous in a big moment? They're used to pressure, you would think. They're used to being the man. They were the man in high school. How are they so bad? I, I know it's a silly thought because, yes, obviously finding a really, truly great quarterback like a Bryce Young, a Quinn Ewers, a Caleb Williams, that's a rare guy that doesn't come along very often. But the level of suck you're seeing from some of these quarterbacks in college football, I'm like, you can't read cover two? You can't throw a slant. You can't do the little stuff that should be easy and simple. That like, how how did you succeed in high school football? What how, what did you do? I, I don't understand. Like, how did you get a scholarship if you can't do some of the stuff you're seeing on Saturday? It's like it's infuriating to me. I know I sound naive and stupid, and I'll probably get a lot of hate for this, but I just wonder sometimes. Like, I, I know good quarterbacks are rare, but are is it rare to find an average quarterback who can throw a slant route? Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, how are you this bad? How are you? Throwing up, like, the final throw for Baylor in overtime. It's like the quarterback th closed his eyes and just threw it up in the air in the end zone. And by the way, it wasn't catchable. The ball landed so far out of bounds, it wasn't even near a receiver with any prayer of anyone catching it. I'm like, dude, how do you have a scholarship to play quarterback? And you're the starting quarterback, by the way, at Baylor. What? Baylor doesn't trust their quarterback. Say it out loud. That's insane. Sorry. Rambling and ranting, but... Can't believe it. You got guys on scholarship and you don't trust them to throw the football. It's not just a failure in recruiting, it's a failure at coaching and developing quarterbacks. Like you don't have an offensive system where you're comfortable with your quarterback throwing the ball late in the game in overtime. Big, big problem. Uh by the way, uh Wake Forest beat Vanderbilt 45 to 25. Technically, uh that's a win for the ACC over the SEC. Wake Forest, an ACC program, beat an SEC program, Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt barely counts. They're like the worst of the worst. They're like the Stanford or the Cal, uh, the academic, cool, science-y academic school, the SEC. Um, and it was the return of Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman. He was 18 for 27 passing, 300 yards, four touchdowns. I like to see that from Wake Forest. I am hoping we get Wake Forest and Pittsburgh in the ACC title game later this year. Uh, USC beat Stanford 41 to 28. USC has such a high powered offense, man. Uh, they're going to dominate the Pac 12, but their defense, I mean, you gave up 28 points to Stanford. Ah, uh, the defense has a lot of work to do. What's going to happen? I'm going to make a prediction for USC season. They're going to dominate the Pac 12. They're going to squeak into the college football playoff and they get annihilated by like Georgia. Very similar to what happened when Oklahoma made it to the college football playoff under who is now the USC head coach, Lincoln Riley. Uh, USC, though, in two, three years are going to be dominating. I really believe that because 
I'm here's why I'm a big believer in the Lincoln Riley era at USC. They're using the setting of LA to, you know, recruit people saying, Hey, we got money. We got movie stars. We got lots of glitz and glamor. We got beaches. It's nice. Our campus is beautiful. Oh yeah. By the way, we've got NIL money and a lot of it and it's working. They're bringing in big name recruits at USC. So I think in a couple of years, USC is going to be like back where they're really legitimately competing at a national level. Right now, they're at a level where they're just going to dominate the Pac-12, who's pretty crappy anyway. And they'll look good all year until they get to a big moment and then they'll lose to like a Michigan or an Ohio State or a Georgia or an Alabama, something like that. And it'll get ugly. Uh, but they got the best quarterback in college football, Caleb Williams. He was against Stanford. Caleb Williams was 20 for 27 passing. 341 yards, four touchdown passes. Uh, Jordan Addison, their star receiver, the Blink Blinkata. I can't even. I can never say this. Blinkata. I I give up. the The best receiver award in college football. I I, I there, there's some way to say it. I always forget it and I can't say it properly. Jordan Addison won the award for best receiver in college football last year. Uh, against Stanford, he had seven catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns. So far this year, in just two games, by the way, Jordan Addison has four touchdown catches. And uh, last year he had 17, uh, which was the most in college football. I think he's going to have even more this year, which is an insane, insane thought. But no one's going to be able to guard him. And uh, I don't know. And again, I say, I say this one more time. The two best quarterbacks in college football, and it's really not that close, are Caleb Williams and Bryce Young. It's them and then everybody else below them. Now, Michigan dominated Hawaii. It was uh, Michigan beat Hawaii 56 to 10. It was 42 nothing at 42 to nothing at halftime. Uh, Hawaii looked so bad, and it's not even funny. It was embarrassing for Hawaii. Their first drive was abysmal. Uh, now, Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy was 11 for 12 passing with 229 yards, three touchdown passes. And finally, hallelujah. J.J. McCarthy has been named the Michigan starting quarterback. I love it. I said it for a long time. This is who I wanted to watch play. This is the guy I wanted to win the job. I, I do I do wonder, did we even need a quarterback controversy, though? Hey, Jim Harbaugh, you really needed two games to decide who your starting quarterback was? It was J.J. McCarthy the whole way. Why did Cade McNamara need to start a game? Why was it a hard decision? What's going on? Was it just to appease the locker room? Maybe it seems weird to me why. Maybe just trying to give respect to Cade McNamara and they started him in a game they knew they were going to win week one. I don't know. Uh, but I'm glad to see J.J. McCarthy as the starting quarterback week one. And Cade McNamara is a very capable backup that if J.J. McCarthy gets hurt, he can come off the bench and still bring something good to the table. But J.J. McCarthy's dynamic and a great athlete and fun to watch and can extend plays and I just can't imagine watching Michigan football and having to watch Cade McNamara any longer when you got a really talented young quarterback like J.J. McCarthy sitting on the bench. What a shame that would have been. And it was, it was already, he was already on the bench for way too long. And I'm really glad to see J.J. McCarthy now as he's starting quarterback at Michigan. Uh, we had a bunch of upsets, by the way, this weekend in college football week two. Unranked Appalachian State, Appalachian State uh, beat. Number six, Texas A&M, 17-14 at A&M. Pretty hilarious, fun to watch that. Especially after Texas, by the Texas A&M was dominating and recruiting this offseason. You're like, all that to lose to App State. Okay, all right, <laughs> what, whatever. And by the way, whatever that, I forget the name of the, somewhere in North Carolina, I think it's Boone, North Carolina. I looked it up, that's where Appalachian State is. Looks like a cool little town, I want to go there someday. That mountain range, West Virginia, North Carolina, I want to go check, you know, a little bit of, uh, I believe Kentucky's got some of that. They got hollers in Kentucky. I love the TV show Justified. I want to go check out that area of the world. I bet it's really interesting and different from a lot of other places. Um, Georgia Southern beat Nebraska 45 to 42. How embarrassing. Nebraska lost to a Sunbelt team. They're now one and two to start the year and they fired their head coach. Nebraska fired their head coach, Scott Frost. Um, in total, in four years and three games, Scott Frost went 16 and 31 uh, at Nebraska. That's awful. Um, you know, and one of those years is like the Rona year in 2020. That's hard to judge. But I was so hopeful when Scott Frost was hired at Nebraska. 
In fact, I've talked about this before. I tried to walk on at Nebraska. I was such a big believer. I'm like, I want to be there. I don't care if I never play. I want to be part of that locker room. That'll be fun. I love Scott Frost. It's going to be awesome. He just, when he got hired, he just gone 13 and 0 at UCF Central Florida and beat Auburn. And I think he should have stayed at Central Florida, man. Central Florida was a way better place to recruit than Nebraska. Nobody wants to go to Nebraska. There's not a lot of great recruits out there. You got to convince guys to go to a terrible, terrible is the wrong word. I bet Nebraska's awesome. I've never been there. But when you're competing against Miami, USC, even the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Floridas, I would rather go to Central Florida than Nebraska. How do you recruit to Nebraska? That's a tough question. I don't have the answer to that. And, uh, you know, he, he left Central Florida to go home to Nebraska where he played college football and won a national title, Scott Frost did. And uh, he was loyal to the place he's from. And his loyalty... Uh, they tried. I guess they kept him around a long time, but wasn't ultimately rewarded. He got fired, and I just wonder, like, who's going to go to Nebraska next, and are they going to succeed? Because I don't know how you recruit to Nebraska. It's a disaster. I hope to see Scott Frost coaching again someday. I'm rooting for him. Maybe he goes to Alabama and becomes their next offensive coordinator, and then coaches the Houston Texans or something. I don't know. I just I hope I want to see a redemption arc for Scott Frost because I really like him, and uh, I thought he. Had a promising young career before he decided to ruin it and go to Nebraska. <laughs> uh, Marshall, unranked Marshall, beat number eight Notre Dame 26 to 21. What a crazy thought. At Notre Dame, by the way, the week after Notre Dame competes for quite a while and loses an intense game against Ohio State, they follow that up by losing to Marshall. What a, what a crazy thought. Uh, and then finally, the fourth and other interesting upset this week is unranked Washington State. Beat number 19, Wisconsin, 17-14. to 14. At Wisconsin, by the way. I went to Washington State. I cannot believe they won. It's really crazy. Uh, Wisconsin ran for 174 yards. They also threw for 227. Way more yards than Washington State ran or threw for. Both teams had three turnovers. Wisconsin had 11 penalties, I guess. It's a surprising upset. I can't believe that that happened. I, uh, as the guy who went to Washington State, spent a lot of time there. That shocked me. Now, we, we got a segment I normally do called Sports Screenshots. I got a couple, uh, one screenshot I want to talk about today. Uh, there's a tweet from Darren Ravel, Darren Rovel, uh, on Twitter. He said, here are today's pay-for-play losses. Texas A&M paid Appalachian State $1.5 million to play against them. And... <laughs> Texas A&M paid Appalachian State $1.5 million to lose to them, 17 to 14. $1.423 million is what Nebraska played Georgia Southern to play them. Nebraska paid Georgia Southern $1.423 million, and they lost to Georgia Southern, 45 to 23. And Notre Dame played Marshall $1.25 million to play them, and Marshall beat them, 26 to 21. Insane stuff. Imagine paying a low-level college football team to play you and then losing. Oh, you're, play, you're paying them to beat you. How awful. It's just a weird, weird thought. Uh, right now in college football, this is the AP Top 10. Number one is Georgia. I agree with that. I watched the last two weeks. Georgia's unbelievable. Uh, they're the best team in college football. They just are. Stetson Bunnett's playing great. I, I'm all in on that. Alabama's ranked number two. I also agree with that. Ohio State is third. Michigan is fourth. It'll be interesting to see how long it'll take until Michigan. You can't have both Michigan and Ohio State at the top of the college football rankings. Uh, Clemson is ranked number five. They're a fraud, in my opinion. They got to make a change at quarterback. Oklahoma's ranked number six. Uh, USC is ranked number seven. I think we're going to see USC slowly climb up the rankings as time goes on. Oklahoma State is number eight. Kentucky's number nine. And Arkansas is number 10. One, two, Three, four of the ten are SEC programs, and that is uh, fitting and uh, makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Give me one second. I got to blow my nose. Let's talk about NFL Week 1. Uh, I haven't watched the games yet. I've only watched Thursday Night Football between the Bills and the Rams. Uh, I've been busy working at a restaurant. I work at a restaurant on the side as a server. But I want to have some fun. I want to share my reactions to each NFL Week 1 game uh, and I want to start with the most recent games and work our way backward towards Thursday Night Football. So on Monday Night Football, can you believe it? 
The Seattle Seahawks beat the Denver Broncos 17-16. to I did not see this coming. I am shocked. That's unreal. And here's what's even cooler. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks st- starting quarterback, Geno Smith, 23 for 28 passing, 195 yards, two touchdowns. That is unbelievable. I, I am I'm shocked that not only did Seattle beat Denver, but Russell Wilson's revenge game didn't go great. And by the way, uh, looks like they're not only are they winning without Russ. Uh, if that kind of stat, I, who know? I, I haven't watched the game yet. So for all I know, the five incompletions by Geno Smith were a bunch of, you know, interceptions that got dropped or something. Or who knows? But if Geno Smith does play well all year, can you imagine if he became the Seahawks franchise quarterback? A guy they basically got for nothing. He was supposed to be the Jets franchise quarterback a while ago. He failed there. They, they signed him as a free agent. I mean, can you imagine if at such a low value in free agency, Seattle found their franchise quarterback and it's Geno Smith and, oh, he's actually good. I, I cannot wait to watch this game and see what the heck happened, but that's unreal. On Sunday Night Football, Tampa Bay uh, and Tom Brady beat Dallas 19-3. to Guys, Jerry Jones is the problem in Dallas, Dak Prescott's hurt, but uh, he what I saw in that game didn't look great. 14 for 29 passing, 134 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. That's ugly. And Dak, you're paying Dak all this money. You're paying Dak Prescott a ton of money. You're paying your running back, Ezekiel Elliott, a ton of money. Woo! Good for you. You're overpaying people who are mediocre or even, in Ezekiel Elliott's case, massively overpaid and bad. I, I told you when... Dak Prescott signed that massive contract. He was overpaid. And uh, I, I would love to hear from a Cowboys fan today how you're feeling because I I bet you are in shambles. You are probably really upset, really sad. And I, I think Dak even, let me check this out. I think Dak actually got hurt in this football game. Dak Prescott injury, uh, I believe. Uh, he's out six to eight weeks with a hand injury. Oh my gosh. Wow. Season over for Dallas already. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. I feel ba- now. I feel bad for for Cowboys fans. That's terrible. The Chargers beat the Raiders twenty four to nineteen. Not a shock. I, I, I predicted that. Devontae Adams in his first ever game for the Raiders. Ten catches, hundred forty one yards, one touchdown. That's awesome. Here's the crazy thing though. Derek Carr had three interceptions. I haven't watched what happened yet. For all I know, there were great throws that got tipped in the air and picked off. I don't know what happened. But that is, that's a terrible omen uh, and not a great start for, for Derek Carr this year with the new head coach, Josh McDaniels. And I've been having Derek Carr's back. I've been supporting him and supporting him and supporting him and, you know, speaking his praises. Derek Carr, not great. Not great at all. Uh, at least not a stat. We'll, we'll see how the game went. But the stat line is not good. And to throw three picks and only lose by five points, I guess it says a lot of good stuff about your team. But, um... Herbert, three touchdown passes, 279 yards, uh, and uh, the Chargers beat the Raiders week one. Kansas City dominated Arizona uh, 44-21. to And uh, how KC led at one point 37-15, to 44-15. Wow. Um, guys, when Kyler Murray signed that massive contract, I said he hasn't earned it yet, but he might. This isn't earning it. Like, if you're gonna get paid two hundred and thirty million dollars, you got to be able to go toe to toe with the best of the best. Kyler ain't doing that. Kyler, you know, begged for a contract, and uh, he was fine. Twenty two at thirty four passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, But here's the thing: when you're playing Patrick Mahomes who goes 30 for 39, passing 360 yards, five touchdown passes. Uh, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was awesome. Wow. Uh, Travis Kelsey, eight catches, 121 yards. That's awesome. But my point is, when your team plays against Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, you you go, oh, oh, crap. This is going to suck. My team's going to lose. It's going to be not very fun. When your favorite football team plays against Kyler Murray, you're not intimidated at all. He's not a formidable figure in the football world. And, um, yeah, it's just really, really bad. You know, I just cannot believe that um, Arizona paid Kyler as much as they did. I've been saying for a while he's overpaid. 
Uh, that contract was ridiculous. It looks really bad today. You lose week one to Patrick Mahomes, and I know it's a team game, but optically, you you pay your quarterback to elevate your team. You give him $230 million, it's because he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL, and Kyler doesn't look like one today. He just played one, and they lost uh, badly. So not a great start to the year for Kyler Murray. Minnesota beat Green Bay. That's insane. And, and really cool. Good for Minnesota. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for them. Aaron Rodgers, I, I haven't watched the game yet, but he had one interception, no touchdown passes. Their leading receiver for Green Bay was a running back, A.J. Dillon. Uh, then Romeo Dobbs, a, a rookie, was the second leading receiver. Who had The second leading receiver, 37 catches. Not a single Packers receiver had over 50 yards receiving. Um, I would imagine, uh, without watching the game, the receiving core was suspect. Uh, I, I saw clips of Rodgers, you know, angry and not angry, but like looking not happy uh, during the game. Great win for Minnesota. I'm so happy for them. And look, if this is their year, it started feeling that way. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, man, that's I really am curious to see where they are at the end of the year compared to where they are now. Because I would imagine as the year goes on, Green Bay is going to get better and more in sync with their receiving core. But right now, not a great start. The Giants beat Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee missed a game-winning field goal. Daniel Jones was fine. Uh, he had like a, a Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback. Um, you know, two touchdowns, one interception. 17 for 21 passing, which is really efficient, and I really, really like that. 188 yards. We'll see. I'm still skeptical about Daniel Jones, but I'm so, so happy. For the Giants' new head coach, Brian Dable. Great for him. What a good win. It's so cool to see him win his first ever game uh, with a new team. That's awesome. Uh, the Colts, they tied Houston. What has it been, like 10 years since Indianapolis won a week one game? At least they didn't lose this year. They they, they tied. Could not have expected that. Um, if I remember correctly, Matt Ryan threw the ball like 100 times in this game. Yeah, Matt Ryan, 32 for 50 passing. That's crazy. And, and Jonathan Taylor... Had 161 yards rushing, and they still couldn't beat Houston. What a crazy thing. Davis Mills looked pretty good. At least it's a good stat line. 23 for 37, 240 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know if Davis Mills is going to be a starting quarterback next year in Houston. I think they're going to draft like a Bryce Young or a, a Caleb Williams. But certainly, man, um, Davis Mills is going to get an opportunity somewhere next year because he's I think he's a very good quarterback. Probably not one of the best, but that's awesome for him. The Browns beat the Panthers 26-24. Uh, to 24, And, um, you know, I, I'm disappointed. I wanted to see Baker Mayfield prove Cleveland wrong and get revenge. He didn't. And, and what's really sad is Baker wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. He, he 16 for 27 passing. And I say that without having seen the game yet. So who knows? But that stat line, he's 16 for 27 passing, 235 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Eh, it's fine. Baker Mayfield being mediocre and fine is not going to make uh, Cleveland regret getting rid of him at all. And I, I'm I'm disappointed to see that. And uh, it makes me, eh, it's just sad. I, I want to see Baker get revenge. He didn't. That sucks. Uh, the Commanders... They beat Jacksonville 28-22. to And I saw that Trevor Lawrence had a late interception that helped seal the deal. Here's what I love, though. Carson Wentz, Commander Carson, four touchdown passes. Two picks, we'll see what happened there. But I, I, Commander Carson I'm rooting for. And uh, you know, Jahan Dotson, the rookie receiver coming out of Penn State, had two touchdown catches in his first ever regular season NFL game. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Jahan Dotson. They got a great receiving core in Washington for Carson Wentz. The best he's had maybe in his entire NFL career. And I am I am rooting for Carson Wentz to do well. I so badly want that to be an awesome situation for him as a quarterback in Washington. The Jets beat the Ravens. Sorry, whoa, no, no, no. That's not what happened. The Ravens beat the Jets 24-9. Um, I was rooting for uh, Jill Flacco to... Uh, get revenge against his former team, the Ravens. That didn't happen. Uh, he did throw the ball 59 times. 37 for 59, 307 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I want to watch this one, but, you know, it didn't happen. I, I, at one point, I believe uh, Baltimore was up. Yeah, they were up 24-3 to in late in the second half, in the fourth quarter. 
So the Ravens won easily. Got that prediction wrong. Hey, you can dream. I dreamed. Joe Flacco, I wanted to beat his old team. It didn't happen. I, I want to see how Lamar does, but I'm curious how, as the year goes on, who emerges as the best receivers for Baltimore? Because right now, I'm like, I'm very worried about the receiving core. And clearly, one game in, they're, they're fine. Miami beat New England 20-7. to That's really interesting. Jalen Waddell had a bunch of catches. Uh, Jalen Waddell had um, four catches for... Hold on. Jalen Waddell, four catches for 69 yards. Tyreek Hill, eight catches for 94 yards. Jalen Waddell had a touchdown... 2-0 23 for 33 passing, 270 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Right now, Miami's winning, and Tua is not hurting the team. So far, so good for Tua. He's keeping his job after this year. And the Patriots, how do Patriots fans feel today after losing to Tua? That's got to be a brutal loss and concerning if you're a Patriots fan. The Eagles beat the Lions uh, 35 or 38-35. I think the Lions are better than people realize. I think Philly is much better than people realize. And, uh, you know, Philly ran for 216 yards. Jalen Hurts, 90 yards rushing, one touchdown. Miles Sanders, 96 yards rushing, one touchdown. Philly ran for four touchdowns. That's awesome. I think things are changing in Detroit. But I think Philly is a team that's going to win their division this year. And uh, I think they're a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati 23-20. to uh, Joe Burrow had four interceptions in this game. I haven't watched what happened yet. I, for all I know, they were great throws. I got tipped in the air and picked off. But um, that's concerning if you're a Bengals fan. The sky isn't falling yet. Let's not panic. But not a great start to the year for Joe Burrow. And good for Mitchell Trubisky, the Steelers quarterback. They go to overtime. They won it like the very end of overtime, too. I'm so happy for Pittsburgh and happy for Mitchell Trubisky. Um, and concerned for Joe Burrow. Not too concerned, but that's not great. Uh, Chicago beat the 49ers 19 to 10. I think it was raining a lot. I saw pictures of afterward or there's like a lake in the middle of soldier field, the Justin field sliding through it and celebrating. But, um, here's an abysmal thing. A 46% completion percentage for Trey Lance, the 49ers starting quarterback, 13 for 28 passing 164 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. That's awful. That's terrible. And I, I think the rain impacted the game. I, I haven't seen the game yet, so I'm just assuming that based on the pictures I saw of the celebration afterward. But what a bad start to the Trey Lance era. And if his, without watching, that's a bad stat line. If he puts up a lot more of those, they're going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you're a 49er fan, you, you're probably not feeling great about your new starting quarterback who, uh, you know, hey, we saw Justin Herbert struggle in college and have some problems and get really good in the NFL. We saw Josh Allen struggle with accuracy problems and kind of be erratic in college, but get better in the NFL. We saw Patrick Mahomes have the same trajectory. We, I thought Trey Lance was going to have a similar trajectory and get better in the NFL and improve from his time in college. And what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't get better? What if, what if Trey Lance doesn't ever improve as a quarterback and become um, a star like, you know, leave up to the potential he has, which I think he's got potential and physical ability similar to Josh Allen and Herbert. That's concerning for 49ers fans, their, their week one loss uh, to the Bears. The Saints beat Atlanta uh, 27-26. Here's what's crazy. Atlanta led 26-10 in the fourth quarter and still lost. What is it about Atlanta? Different quarterbacks, different coaches. It's been years and they just blow leads in the fourth quarter. It's, I don't even know what to say because it's not the same people. It's multiple quarterbacks. It's multiple teams. It's insanity to me. Like, I don't know what to make of Atlanta um, blowing leads in the fourth quarter at this point because it's just a cultural thing. It's like, I, I don't I don't understand it. Now, Jameis Winston, no turnovers, played on, on paper. The stat line's pretty good. Jarvis Landry, seven catches, 114 yards. Uh, that's a, such an underrated grab as New Orleans getting Jarvis Landry. Uh, Michael Thomas had two touchdown catches. Chris Olave. This offense in New Orleans is formidable, I'm telling you. And I think the Saints are better than people realize. And I can't wait for the Saints to play. Um, I can't wait for them to play Tampa this year. When does that happen? When does New Orleans play Tampa? They play next weekend. Buccaneers at Saints. That'll be so fun. I can't wait. Jameis against his former team. 
battle in that division. That'll be awesome. And then also week one, I already talked about this when I watched it. The Bills beat the Rams 31-10. The Bills looked like a Super Bowl contender, probably Super Bowl favorite. The Rams offense was concerning. Matthew Stafford had three picks. Matthew Stafford was holding his arm, had elbow problems, and said, I can't throw the ball. Really concerning if you're a Rams fan. Were the Rams bad because the Bills are really good or because the Rams are really bad or, or have problems? I don't know yet, but uh, Buffalo uh, dominated the Rams on Thursday Night Football to start the week. And those are my reactions to every week one NFL game. I'll, I'll watch the games and, and give you even more content, but uh, those are my initial reaction without having watched very much yet, and uh, I'll watch the games, and the next episode will be a breakdown of all the things I saw. Um, but uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on week one so far, uh, my reactions. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I got to sign off. My dad's at the airport waiting for me. I got to go pick him up. Uh, I am going to drive now to the airport to pick up my dad. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are.